You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello, Eagles fans, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Phenomenal intro music there. Love it. the very least. I haven't heard this before. (laughs) Gentlemen, it's here. Uh, Please be welcomed, as always, along with Fran Duffy and Bo Wolf. Hello. Hey, guys. The preseason is upon us. We finally made it. We finally made it. One week ago, we were two weeks away from preseason football. Now we're one week away from preseason football. Less than a week. Less Less than than a week week. at this point. Yeah, that's true. Just days away till the Eagles host the Indianapolis On one hand, you can count how many days there are left before training camp. Even, dare I say. (laughs) We knew you were going with that one. If it's Wednesday, there's four days left. Yes. So we'll let you fill out any of yourself. Sure. Yeah. So a lot to get into. A lot of news taking place here at the Novacare Complex in the last couple days. So I think we should just get right into it with our three and out. Let's do it. One, two, three. Three, three is a magic number. Three. Three. Now it's time for three and out. So three is a magic number. Depending on when you're listening to this, maybe there are three days left until the preseason. Maybe there's two. Who knows? Impossible to tell when you're going to listen to this. It is. If you you listen to this after the game, there's three preseason games left. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) All right. So the big news, Ja'Cory Shepard suffering a season-ending ACL injury. Who is going to play the nickel spot in the defense, the nickel corner role? And early on, it looks like Jalen Watkins, a second your player out of Florida, fourth-round pick a year ago, will have the first dibs at it. But it looks like a lot of players are going to rotate into the mix. We've seen one practice since the Shepard injury, and it was Watkins taking the first-team reps. But uh, the big news, I guess, is that Eric Rowe, the second-round pick, is going to now be in the mix as well. So as we're talking about what we're looking forward to seeing Sunday when the Eagles open against the Colts, Colts have an outstanding offense, a bevy of weapons, and you're not going to see all of them for that long in the game, obviously. But we want to see the formations the Eagles use. We want to see what situations. We want to see who's out there on the field, how long they're going to be out there. And certainly the defensive back rotation with all the questions coming in, knowing you had to replace two starters at corner, technically a third once they trade Boykin, and you have to replace one of the safeties. So obviously Maxwell is the one corner. That's set in stone. Nolan Carroll's had a very good training camp to this point, so it seems like he's the front runner for the other corner spot. And looked like Shepard probably was the leader in the clubhouse for the nickel job, but now that spot's totally up in the air. Safety, it seems like it's Walter Thurman's job to lose at this point. So this the Shepard injury, obviously, you feel terrible for the kid. Uh, we, by the way, had done an interview with Corey Shepard before the injury happened. We were not the jinx. This is the first time we've ever had this kind of jinx. Not us. Yes. Uh, and we might play a little bit of that um, interview later, but I feel similarly that to this injury as I did to the Travis Long injury in that you feel really bad for the kid, but it's you know people complain that why would you trade away Brandon Boykin? You know this is why you wouldn't trade away Brandon Boykin because now all of a sudden you need another nickel. But let's be honest, Chip Kelly was not you know penning in Jacory Shepard as the starting nickel as if he was going to be playing 100 percent of the nickel snaps. Uh, he still had to earn that job, and there are guys here who, as Chip has said, 
have played the nickel position at a very high level in the NFL in both Malcolm Jenkins and, and Walter Thurman. Nolan Carroll has done it inside. And right now it's going to be guys like Rowe, Jalen Watkins, EJ Biggers competing, uh, but the Eagles know they have the flexibility to, to slide those other guys inside. If I had to guess, I think you will end up seeing some combination of Eric Rowe and Nolan Carroll as the other cornerbacks, whether that means Carroll starts on the outside and then slides into nickel during nickel situations and Rowe goes to the outside, whether it means one of them is just the nickel cornerback. Uh, I'm not sure, but my expectation is that that is how this will work itself out but Jalen Watkins is is pushing I think yes if Eric Rowe is one of your best defensive backs you got to find a way to get him on the field and all signs point to him having a very strong camp to start here so certainly you want to get him on the field sooner than later yeah the idea is and this will play itself out over the next month who are your best four defensive backs when you're in base who are your best five when exactly. you're in nickel? Who are your best six when you're in dime? And then just figuring out where you're plugging holes, whether that means a safety is going to come down and play in the slot or one of the guys from the outside is going to come out and play in the slot or if someone off the bench is going to come out and play in the slot. However that works out, uh, you know the, the coaches are going to put those guys in the position to do that. Um, and it's going to play out. Look, we're, we'll get our first look this weekend against a very good uh, group of Indianapolis wide receivers. Now I'm going to flip to the offense. And, of course, you have to talk about the quarterbacks. Sam Bradford, all expectations are that he'll – appear in game action for the first time since August 23rd, I believe, of last year when he re-ruptured his ACL against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I don't expect to see him for that long a time, but just to see him out there without the red jersey on, now he will get sacked. That's, That's the difference now. That's sort of the next step, the next progression here for Bradford is he's looked great in training camp. He's looked fluid in the pocket. Seems like he has a good grasp of the offense. The key now is when the you know, I don't like to use the term the bullets are live, so to speak, but obviously that's a cliche we throw around. Now that he can get sacked by the defense, how will he respond? Yeah, and he talked about it in the spring. You know, the speed of the game ramps up at every level. So first he was just doing seven on sevens, then he was doing uh, 11 on 11s, and, and now it's going to go to the preseason, and the speed of the game is going to go even quicker. And, and as we talked about on the big question this week uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, for me, the, the thing with Bradford is, is comfort uh, on three different levels. One, how comfort, comfortable does he look physically with his knee? Two, how comfortable does he look running the offense? And three, how comfortable does he look in the face of pressure, really, for the first time since, uh, since last training camp? Uh, and that's, that's what's going to be interesting to see. The Colts' pass rush is okay. But listen, we also have to see how the Seagulls' offensive line protects Bradford. So I'm intrigued to see how long he's going to be out there, if he is even out there. Um, but uh, it, it certainly should be interesting. You got two things here. What are we doing? Six and out? Yes, we are. Okay. That's what makes you real. I, I, mean, I was going to let it go. I was surprised he snuck it in there. But uh, I guess we're talking about the passing game, and we can kind of transition to what I want to talk about for three and out. And uh, and that was look back to, looking back to last year. What was the big theme coming out of that game against the Colts? And that was uh, how they attacked the middle of the field. So you looked at guys like Darren Sproles, like Zach Ertz, LaShawn McCoy was very involved with the passing game. And that'll be a, a, an interesting thing to watch this year uh, when they face off in the preseason. You've got a number of guys in the middle of that field, uh, or in the middle of that defense, coming back for the Indianapolis Colts. Dequell Jackson, uh, Jarrell Freeman, they have Mike Adams and Dwight Lowry at safety. You know, we'll get a, a good look early on. 
what is Darren Sproles going to be in this offense? Is he going to play more in the slot? Is he going to be detached? Is he going to be? Do you really play? think we're going to see that in the first preseason yeah. game? What the Eagles are going to do with Darren Sproles? Well, I don't think there's it's like this big secret plan either. I mean, obviously, I think they're going to come out and they're going to use him in a lot of different ways. They might not show every single way, but I'm excited to see uh, in an area where they might be able to exploit some matchups. And even look, you might be able to see it with. Guys like uh, Kenyon Barner, I think G.J. Kinney will have a big game late in the late in the game. So I'm just excited to see how these uh, matchup guys at running back and at tight end uh, can win some of these one-on-one matchups that they should against the Colts. Uh, for me, what I want to see is is the guys on the offensive and defensive lines because in training camp, uh, as Chip has said, you know you can sort of make some rudimentary judgments on the guys on the perimeter, the, the wide receivers, the corners. Uh, you can see the movement skills, things like that. But you really can't tell anything about offensive and defensive linemen in this setting. So I want to see how Alan Barbie looks at left guard. I want to see who starts at right guard and then how, how all four of those competitors perform. You know, Julian Vandervelde, John Moffitt, uh, Gardner, and Tobin. Um, and then on the defensive line, you know, I know what to expect from the Eagles starting defensive line. They're probably not going to play that much anyway, but I'm interested to see Chris. How Taylor Hart does. Taylor Hart, of course. Uh, and some of those other guys, uh, just because we have no basis of judgments uh, on them from what we've seen so far. So uh, those, are, those are the things that, that excite me, pathetic as it is. No, I mean, that's, the offensive line is a big question. Yeah, Everyone says that you brought in Sam Bradford, but you let go of two of your starting guards from last season. Your two starting guards from last year, including a, an all-pro in Evan Mathis. So certainly... I think the Eagles are very confident in Alan Barbary being able to step in the left guard. And I think Jason Peters has said that he feels very comfortable with Al next to him, but it's that right guard position which has to be won. It'll be interesting. Will they get all four of those guys in there? Not with the first team. Not with the first team. I know that. I'm I'm assuming that. I'm just saying in the game at some point period. At right guard, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I would assume you'll, you'll... the, they'll, they'll each get maybe um, maybe Andrew Gardner is going to just be second team left tackle or something like that. That's true. Uh, they yeah. the, you know we saw him play right guard for the Eagles last year. Um, Moffitt's the I wild card. Moffitt to me is the wild. Yeah, card. but he's I mean he's only been playing right guard right in practice Correct. for the most part, so he's going to be there. But but uh, I'm saying he, uh, in in the, in terms of the race itself, yeah. Well, I'm just saying the fact that he hasn't played in two years. We saw Andrew Gardner last year right, right guard. Exactly. We saw Matt Tobin right guard. Vandervelde we have only seen really at center except in the preseason last year. Yeah. And I think I believe that he is listed as the first-team right guard on the depth chart. So, you know, we'll see what happens. That, of course, is done by media relations. means nothing. Don't read too much into it. But he is in the mix. It'll, so. it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out because I would imagine at least one, obviously one, but maybe two of those guys gets to see reps with, you know, the quote-unquote first team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. So you saw the depth chart? I have I have, I have a little uh, some nuggets. Some sources. Some... some, some uh, Birds in my ear. Very nice. Hashtag sources from Eagles Weekly. But I believe it will be released before people listen to this podcast. Yes, so. yes, that's the expectation. But as we're filming this on Tuesday, I have not yet seen it. But Bo already has. Well, that's why it's I the haven't Eagles seen it. It's, that's I why just, it's the Eagles Insider and not the Eagles Insiders podcast. There you have it. It's Brilliant. The, the Eagles Beakley. <laughs> there what's, you go. What's plural? Beakley's? Uh, Beakley. 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 Uh, bye, Beakley. It's actually <laughs> there. We go. Bye, bye, bye. All right. So let's transition to the interview where we bring in cornerback Nolan Carroll. Obviously, very much affected by what happened with Jacory Shepard over the weekend. 
Let's hear from Nolan Carroll in his second year with the Eagles. And now it's time for what you've all been waiting for, the interview. The interview this week on the Eagles Insider Podcast, none other than Nolan Carroll, who is in his second year with the Philadelphia Eagles, looking forward to possibly securing a starting role this season. Nolan, thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. Nolan, what was your reaction when Ja'Cory Shepard got injured and you guys all found out that he was not going to be able to play for the rest of the season? It's definitely you know a devastating blow to our, our secondary because Jacor is the guy that you know, has come along quickly. He was learning fast, you know what we taught him. We, you know the veteran guys when we gave him, you know information, he was able to grasp it very fast and apply it on the field. You know, and that's something that not a lot of corners can do, especially young corners in the league. And and for him to come in and and be able to play a, a spot that's kind of complex like the nickel spot, and and for him to catch on like he did, you know, is very good. And and it. It just sucks, you know, that something like that would happen to him, you know, but he's young. All he has to do is keep his head up and, you know, every single day just, just think about recovering and, and getting back to his old self, you know, and, uh, and we'll have him next year. That said, Nolan, uh, obviously we all, we all feel bad for Ja'Cory, but in, in the NFL it's sort of next man up, right? So we know that you, Malcolm, Walter can all play that nickel position, but what can you tell us about the other guys who Eagles fans may not know too much about who are who are competing for that spot as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Eric Rowe, you know, young guy, second round pick. You know, he's yesterday was his second day, or I mean, his first day uh, doing it in, in the nickel position. Today was his second day, you know, but he's he's learned quickly as well, you know, and that's just from him, I guess, just looking at the the younger guys, the, the other guys that have been ahead of him, and and you know, once we put him in there, he's been able to grasp it. You know, it's still a learning process for him because he's so used to being outside and and trying to learn that. This is second year. You know, playing corner, he played safety when he was in college. So for him to go to the corner and try and grasp that, and then you got to put him inside a nickel. You know, he's done a good job. You know, it's still things are, are going fast, but you can see it each day it's it's starting to slow down for him. You know, and then uh, Jalen Watkins, the guy we had we drafted last year, he's another guy that he's been playing every position in the secondary. You know, so for him, we, it's just easy for us to just plug him in there and let him go. You know, he just has to get back into the rhythm of of playing corner again because he's playing safety most of the OTAs and minicamp. And then we have EJ Biggers. You know, he's a. Uh, I think he's been in the league about seven years now, so uh, he he knows the ins and outs of playing that position. He played it when he was in Tampa. He played it when he was uh, in Washington. You know, he's playing it here now. You know, so you know we have a bunch of guys that that can rotate and, and play that position. It's just for them to get a feel for it and, and grasp the terminology and and being on the same page as everybody on on the defense. You know, certain guys see things certain ways and in uh, certain coverages and in certain formations. So. Guys just have to be able to get on point with that when we see it out in practice because Chip's doing a lot of things for us that, you know, we we might not see in the game, but if we do, we'll be prepared for it. So, you know, those guys really have to hone in and get that experience out there on the field. So when they get into the games, you know, it's just it's easy for them. Do you miss having the dreads like EJ? No, I don't, man. I, I said goodbye to the dreads a long time ago, and I, I haven't looked back since. You know, I like the clean cut. I haven't had a haircut in about a couple of weeks now, but you know, I still I still like the clean cut. It's just easy for me to go to sleep. I don't have to worry about things getting in my face when, <laughs> at night, you know. So it, it, I, I don't miss them at all. Did anyone ever pull on them in the game? Oh man, yeah. When uh when I was returning uh my rookie year in Miami, uh you know guys couldn't tackle me. I remember this one time against uh the Steelers. I bounced it outside and I I uh, stiff arm Ike Taylor, and the first thing he did was grab the back of my head and just yank me down, and oh. I just felt. I just felt a whole bunch of pressure in the back of my head, and I just went down, man. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to keep running because if he rips <laughs> these things out, it's a wrap. Uh, Eagles fans, you know, obsess over the, the possibilities in the secondary. They get ahead of themselves. 
one of the the possibilities that that we've all talked about is what if you start on the outside but then in nickel situations you go to the inside and maybe eric rowe goes to the outside how difficult would it be to be playing those two positions in in the same game that that transition it's not too difficult i kind of did it towards the end of the season when we played the giants uh, just playing mm-hmm. going from corner to dime you know it's just the, the mindset you have to have you have to prepare yourself that okay first and second down i'll be outside you know probably third down i'll be inside and you just got to know when you're inside whatever the call is you just have to process it fast and and know what your assignment is and if they possibly do things, you have to think about it on the run. What what's my job now? If if the formation changes, you know, if, or if uh, they come out in a certain set, or the, this wide receiver does this, or you know, what's my coverage? What's my leverage with my coverage? Who who has my help? Who doesn't? Am I by myself? Am I not? It's just those certain things that you have to kind of get a rhythm for. And I've had a, a little bit of experience, you know, playing nickel. So for me, it it's almost the same as playing dime. You no, know, those those things are kind of interchangeable, and, and getting that experience with dime kind of helps me with the, the nickel position because they're about the same. No, ever since training camp has started, every player, every coach you talk to raves about the offseason that you've had from a performance standpoint on the field, in the weight room, the drills you've won across the board. No contest whatsoever. Bill Davis says it's the best offseason he's ever seen. That's what he oh, said. Wow. By a defensive back, and he's been around the league 24 years I think he's been coaching in this league Mm -hmm. so he's been around the block Mm -hmm. a few times Mm -hmm. when did the spark go on for you what was the inspiration what happened what caused this offseason to happen for you uh right after the season you know it was one of those things where I did a little self-reflection you know I I, uh I went home and I just thought about you know how do you want your your next year to be and you know for me last year coming in my perception perception of what i was going to do wasn't how it was really what how it really was you know I, I found myself playing a different role and you know i just had to sacrifice for the team and, and do what was needed but you know at the same time i was i was frustrated i was you know i was i was pissed you know so because i felt like i could have done more out there i, I felt like i could have helped the team a little bit more um so you know basically i just buckled down this off season you know i Worked out two, three times a day. You know, most of the time, uh, you know, I only took maybe a week and a half off from the off season. Most of the time, I'll take one, maybe one and a half, two months off. You know, just to kind of get my body right. But you know, I just told myself, I gotta, I gotta go, man. I gotta work now. I can't really take too much time off. I didn't take any vacations really. I, you know, I just stayed at home and I just worked. That's all I did. You know, any time I had some free time, I was gonna try and find something to do, whether it's just jog down to the gas station, run a mile or two, ride a bike, swim, or just go out and just catch a football. You know, I was always trying to do something just to keep myself active. I want to know, uh, you know, when they say you, you were so good in the offseason, we sort of understand what it might mean on the field or in the playbook. But, like, in the weight room, you're that much better than everybody else. What are you, like, just lifting, like, 500 pounds <laughs> in one hand? Like, what are you, you're like, Mr. Olympus, what's going like? No, I, I think it was more just measuring power outputs and, and speed. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that, I guess jumped out for them just comparing my numbers from I guess last okay. year I don't know exactly what my numbers were last year but to this year I guess they they just jumped out the roof and you know that was just for me just working out that that long period of time and just really picking up where I left off from here I just maintained that 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 strength that power you know the the mental stuff from from what I learned here and I just brought it down to Florida and, and I just kept it going you know I tried to be as consistent as possible with my workouts to try and do some of the similar things that we were doing here. And, you know, when I got back here, it wasn't anything that was new. I just jumped back into it like it was nothing. 
I read a nice feature on you uh, in the Daily News, or it was Inquirer, I'm sorry, over the weekend. Zach Berman wrote it. Mm-hmm. And one of the quotes talked about how you finally beca- got to the point in your life where you're no longer Jennifer's son, referring to your mother. Mm-hmm. How much of an influence have they had on you, both your parents, both in the military, your mother was a lieutenant governor of the state of Florida. And in some ways, how much of a challenge is it knowing how successful your parents are, mm-hmm. that you're working to try to you know, achieve better things, greater things than what they did. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was a challenge early on in my career when I was playing in Miami just because my mom, she was lieutenant governor in Florida. So basically I was tied to her and whatever she did. It didn't matter what it was. I was still always going to be tied to her and she was always going to be tied to me regardless, you know. So trying to, it was hard always trying to get out of her shadow per se, you know, because anytime I did something, it was, oh, the, the son of Lieutenant Governor Jennifer Carroll, or it'd be flip-flop, you know, it'd be you know, Lieutenant Governor's son, Nolan Carroll. It'd just always be like that. We're always tied at the hip, you know. So for me, I spent, as my, as my career went on, I spent less time trying to get out of that and, and, and have people not associate me, not necessarily associate me, but always have us joined at the hip, you know, and I just didn't think about it anymore. You know, I, I let people they wanted to think like that they, I let them think like that and you know I just went about my daily routine just focused on in on me and you know like I said as I got older it, it stopped being less about me and it, it became more about my son when I had my son so you know the focus got off of me and got off my mom because she's retired now she doesn't do that anymore and for me it's just on my son like I said I don't worry about what people say I don't get into all of that you know I'm just focused on what I need to do and what I need to do for my family our uh, Eagles Television Network did a feature on you last offseason where they went back to your high school uh, where you donated uh, the weight set, the weight room equipment. Uh, you leveled the playing field out so they had a normal field. Uh, what inspired you to do that? Uh, I just think when I was growing up, you know, our, our fields were kind of bad just because, you know, yearly we had the hurricanes, we had all the rain every time just beating down on our field, and it, it got to the point where it was just basically mud. It wasn't even really grass, so... For us, some days we could practice, some days we had to practice in the practice gym, you know, the, the basketball court gym. So, you know, I just figured that why don't I try and do something to, to help these guys so they they can have the benefit of, of playing on, you know, just grass and, and being able to not change their practices up or anything. And they can just have that opportunity to always go out every single day and, and be able to compete, you know. And I just felt like I, I needed to give back to my school because they did so much for me and, you know, I can never do enough for them. So I'm constantly always trying to just give back to them because basically in high school, that's kind of where you start figuring out who you are, you know, and, and that it was beneficial to me. I had a lot of people that were influential in my life. You know, I had a lot of old teammates that they're, they're my best friends. I still talk to them, you know, so we're always talking about giving back to my high school just so the kids can know that, you know, they, they have an opportunity. They can make something of themselves because in Jacksonville, we're so far out you know we're in the country we're away from you know downtown we're away from everything so it's hard for news and the media to really go 30 minutes out of their way to come to our high school you know college coaches it's even it's a reach for them to get out there you know so anything that i can do to give them an advantage to be successful i'm all for it all right Nolan, we uh we gotta let you get going quickly though you did all this work in the off season did you do anything for fun oh man i'm trying to think I think me and my son just hanging out by the pool is really my 
No, this whole offseason was just about him. Yeah. You know, he it, is Nolan the third, right? Nolan the third, yeah. Okay. It, Does he have a nickname? Is he Trey? Or? I just call him NC3. NC3. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so anytime I, I, I could get with him just to just to have fun and just be around him, you know, that's all I did. And, and it's he's really, like two? Uh, he's going to be two next year. He's okay. one. He's uh, 18 months now, you know. So anytime I could get around him and have fun, whether it just be me and him taking a stroll outside, playing the pool, go to the zoo, whatever it was, you know, that was that was my fun in the off season, you know. So I I enjoyed it. I didn't have any problems with it at all. Cool. That's awesome, Nolan Carroll. Best of luck uh, the preseason opener and for the rest of the season ahead. Thank you very much for joining us Appreciate here it. as the interview on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Time to get ready for game day. It's time for enemy intel. All right, friend, like the preseason is a dress rehearsal for the regular season, this enemy intel is also a dress rehearsal for regular season enemy intel. We don't know exactly how much of the first-team Colts we're going to see, nor first-team Eagles, uh, and obviously there is not as much game planning going into this. However, there's still plenty of things for us to talk about in terms of the matchup between these two teams. But before we get there, I want to have you have you taken a good look at this Colts roster? I have. Let's see the first trend that you want to. They have so many rookies who we talked about (laughs) during the journey to the draft, presented by Triple A Podcast season. I count thirteen different. How many can you name off the top of your head? All right, let's see. Obviously, Philip Dorsett. Correct. Uh, Zach Hodges was one name that that stood out. Um, Clayton Gathers. Correct. DJ Seliscar. Correct. From Western Michigan. Donald Seliscar. Yes. Almarlo Herrera, the linebacker Correct. From, from, from Georgia. So both the Shrine and the Senior Bowl. Um, let's see here. Oh, uh, of course, Henry Anderson from Indianapolis. One of your favorites. Uh, from Stanford. Uh, let's see here. I'm thinking I'm running out of names. On the offensive line, they have... There's one offensive lineman. Yes. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> that should help you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> playing, I believe, right guard? Who is it? I'm not posi- sure which uh, position he's playing. Sure. Uh, he went to Northwestern. Got a weird last name. Brandon, Brandon Vita Billy. Yeah, yeah sure. Billy, yeah. Okay. Who right. else am I missing here? One of your favorite running backs in the draft class. Oh, really? One of my favorite running backs in the draft class. I don't know. Who do you got? Josh Robinson. Ah, the bowling ball. This is the toughest of them. Wide receiver from the Shrine game. Completely nondescript, except he's got an interesting name. Ezel Ruffin. Ezel Ruffin from San Diego State. Uh, back to the Shrine game. Very squatty defensive lineman. Josh Parry. Correct. Uh, Stanford. Yeah, that's correct. All right, three more. These are the three best ones, so I'm glad we, we saved them for last. There's a quarterback who we will likely see in the fourth quarter. That doesn't help me. We spent a lot of time talking about this player on the Journey to the Draft podcast because of the connection with Chip Kelly. Bra- uh, Berman Barman. <laughs> Brian Bennett. Yeah, Brian Correct. Bennett. Thank you. Okay. One you, of you my- guys, know, just so you know, uh, I know all these names up through April, and then like you flush them clean. The, yeah. the, the bottom 25% just get completely flushed out. So Okay. Two left. One was my favorite interview at the Senior Bowl. Like this player. Knew, we knew all along he was not Oh, DJ Smith. Us. How could I forget? DJ of course, that, that was the guy who I saw, and I was like, oh, man, yeah, I was going to be happy to see him. And then the guy. last one earned the uh, annual Mr. Universe description from Tony Pauline. Mr. Universe At the, at the weigh-ins. <laughs> Muscles <laughs> at bulging out of bowl? his body. At, at the, the senior, senior bowl? bowl? Yes. Oh, was it Tyler Varga? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about him. There so you go. So if this game on Sunday is played in underwear, 
the Colts may have the advantage. Okay, let's get to the actual analysis, friend. You want to start with the Eagles wide receivers, where we want to see what this young group is going to look like. How is Josh Huff coming along? How is Nelson Aguilar coming along against the Colts defensive back? Sure, and we talked about it earlier in the podcast, the the interior of that Colts defense and what they were going to be like matched up on some of the tight ends and running backs coming out of the backfield here for the Eagles. But this is a team that plays a lot of man coverage, at least they did a year ago. If that, if that holds true again this year, you're going to see guys like Vontae Davis and Greg Toller who played at a high level a year ago. Uh, DJ Smith, you and I both liked. He was on the smaller side, but you know he's going to play probably in that nickel role. You've got Darius Butler who's coming back. And then Seliscar is a big physical guy. So you've got five uh, DBs that will be interesting matchup problems in terms of man coverage for the Eagles. And now you've got five guys that just we're going to focus on for this segment, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Jordan Matthews, Josh Huff, Riley Cooper, Miles Austin. How are these receivers going to be able to work against a team that plays a lot of man coverage on the outside? Uh, and it'll, just, it'll be very, very interesting to watch. A, a good test for this young receiver core. I wonder how much we're going to see of Miles Austin in the preseason because, yeah, uh, you know, he is a veteran. The Eagles theoretically know what he can. Do. They need to see what he can do in this offense. But will Chip Kelly want to see more of the young guys, more of a Tutu, stuff like that? It's going to, I'm, I'm intrigued. Sure. What what uh what young receivers do you want to see more of? You know what I say that and and as I say it, there's not. I mean, Rashid <laughs> Bailey maybe. Sure. Yeah. But really, I'm, I think we're going to see a lot of Aguilar. Yeah. I think that that is what we're I'm excited. I'm excited to see Aguilar on uh, on Sunday. Okay. Let's take this matchup and flip it and sure. go with the Colts receivers who are loaded. Yes. Against the Eagles defensive backs, who we want to see how they do. The main attraction to me here is. It, we don't even know if this matchup is going to occur, but if it does, I'd love to see Eric Rowe one on one with Philip Dorsett. Yeah, and it was you know we were really looking forward to seeing Eric Rowe at the Senior Bowl. You know, you and I talked about it in January, going down on the flight down. I want to see Eric Rowe at corner. I'm excited. You know, big guy runs pretty well. I'm really excited. And then he moved to safety. Yeah, they he played play safety. safety there. They, which it was in one on ones. He he took some corner reps, but they would not let him play there. Yeah, and, and most of the time when he played in those one on ones, it was an off coverage as a safety. So you really didn't get a chance to see him uh, lined up too much as a corner. But now we're going to get to see that. You know, in, whether it's inside or outside, will be interesting to see. Uh, but you've got Maxwell, who obviously is new. You've got Nolan Carroll, who's going to get the shot on the outside. You've got Jalen Watkins looking to take over that inside job at slot. T. Y. Hilton, Philip Dorsett, Dante Moncrief. Three young, explosive guys. I really like Moncrief too. I really liked Moncrief last year, coming out of Ole Miss, uh, and then Andre Johnson, the you know the vet who apparently has uh, has found his second life there, and is you know feels like he's ten years younger, and every cliche there in the book. But you know they're excited about Andre Johnson and what he can bring. So I'll be really interested to see how this Eagles secondary looks against a very talented wide receiver core. All right, let's go to our third matchup, and that is the Eagles' offensive line uh, against the Colts' defensive line. Now, this is a Colts team that, uh, you know, the book on them since Andrew Luck came into the league is is pretty obvious. Everybody knows it. They have one of the two best quarterbacks in the league, and so they're going to outperform their overall talent level as long as he is healthy. Right. Their offensive line has not been very good, but they have done a good job getting him weapons. Obviously, T.Y. Heldon uh, has, has, has been a big part of that, but... It's really all about Andrew Luck. And then on the defensive side of the ball, in that AFC Championship game, the Patriots just ran the ball down their throat, and they needed to to improve their run defense and their guys up front. So this is going to be a good test for the Eagles' offensive line. Can they beat up a defensive line that has a reputation of sort of being allowed to beat up? They were a bottom-10 run defense last year. Once again, they do get Trent Cole. So I, you know, I'd love to see... After all the years of practice seeing Trent Cole and Jason Peters yep. going up against each other, now it'll be live for probably the first series. That's probably all we'll see. But 
a good test for the Eagles offensive line just to see how they measure up to other teams who have, have been able to move the Colts defensive line. Yeah, and we'll see what Robert Mathis looks like after missing all of last year. But, you know, him aside, I think Trent Cole is going to be their best pass rusher because got Eric Walden, who, you know, is a nice player, but not really a pass rusher. Uh, Bjorn Werner, uh, I pre- predictably, uh, if you talk to me before, the, that, that draft has not turned into a, a very good pass rusher. Well, he did so. not like the Bjorn Werner. No, not, not particularly much. So, you know, you've got this. You know, I didn't look, like him either. He was an oldie. He was an oldie. That's right. I'll never forget. I think it was it was play twenty four or something like that against Miami that year, and oh, he just he completely bailed on an outside run. Like he could have made the tackle for like a two yard gain, and he just inexplicably pulled up, <laughs> and it was ended up being like a you know twelve fifteen yard gain. But anyway. You know, that's a 3-4 front. They do lots of different things in terms of pressure. So there'll be players coming from different angles, theoretically, depending on how complicated they decide to go up front there in Indianapolis. But they drafted Henry Anderson. We talked about that from Stanford. Josh Chapman is the nose tackle, that that fire hydrant in the middle of the defense. And Arthur Jones is still a very talented player. So you've got some talent there on the defensive line. On the outside, yeah, Walden, Matt, you know, uh, Werner, they haven't really panned out in terms of pass rushing prowess, but got Jonathan Newsom, who I really liked a year ago coming out of Ball State. Cam Johnson was a seventh-round pick out of Virginia. We you saw him, him at Senior Bowl, yeah. And then Zach Hodges was the pass rusher from Harvard who signed with them after the draft. So there's some young guys there that I'm interested to watch. It'll be a, it'll be a good test. It's a good opening test, I think, for the for this Eagles offensive line uh, that I think is still, obviously, we're still trying to figure out who's going to play right guard. Lane Johnson is coming into this year in his third year. You're looking for him to take the next step. This uh, is a big year for Lane Johnson. No question. It's a huge year. It's a huge year, especially, you know, you've got Jason Peters who's going to be another year older. You know, is Lane Johnson going to prove to be that next left tackle for the Eagles? So I'm excited to see these three big matchups. Who among the four ex-Eagles are you most excited to see on the Colts team? See in terms on the on on film? Or just see personally? Just see personally. See personally. Colt Anderson was the best. I mean, I know it's probably going to be for you, too. Colt for me, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I love all three. I love no question. All, all three, three of those guys. Three of my favorite guys from my six years here. Do you know who the fourth is? Who is the fourth? I don't. Who is it? Frank Gore. Oh, of course. Yeah, exactly. So if this game, you know, this game's at home, what if on Saturday when the Colts arrive, you know, we come into the office on Saturday and you go into the cafeteria and there in the old location of the Wolf's Den sits Trent Cole finally showing up for his <laughs> Wolf's Den appearance. That would be very funny. He would be very confused because they have remade the Wolf's Den. That's right. And this, is, and this is breaking news to those of you who don't know. Sadly, the confines of the Wolf's Den have been remade in the redoing of the Eagles cafeteria here at the Novacare Complex. It's now a storage closet instead of just vending machine room. So That's right. Maybe that is a sign of things to come. We'll get. Well, maybe we'll get to that next week. Maybe. All right. Well, that'll do it for our first actual game preview of Enemy Intel. And now it's time to game with game time. Get out your scorecards. It's game time. That's pretty good. It's classic. Game time. Barletta really gets into it. All right. Today's game, ladies and gentlemen, made to order. Mm. Now, this game is actually very similar to order in the court, a game from uh, Journey to the Draft podcast, similar in that it is the exact same game. Just a different name. Yeah. Just want to give it a different name. I like the I like the make order name though. Okay, it's much better than some of the ones in uh, weeks past. I disagree. All right, made to order, gentlemen. I want you to order how the following six players will rank at the end of the 2015 <laughs> season in terms of receiving yards. Okay, they're the six you'd expect: Nelson Aguilar, Josh Huff, Jordan Matthews, Zach Ertz, Riley Cooper, and Brent Selleck. 
Let's see. In yardage? In receiving yards. Yards. All right. Order uh, in the court. Order in the court. I got mine. Number one, Jordan Matthews. Agree. Easy one. Yep, Jordan Matthews, number oh, one. Oh, so easy. Yeah. Number two, I'm going to go Josh Huff. Okay, I'm going to go Nelson Aguilar for I'm, two. I'm remaining bullish on Huff. Okay. Ertz, number three. Ooh. Aguilar, four. Cooper, five. Selleck, six. Okay, I went uh, Jordan at one. Nelson Aguilar at two, Josh Huff at three, Zach Ertz at four, Riley Cooper at five, Brent Selleck at six. Ooh, I have the same as you, Fran, except I flipped the last two. I go Brent Selleck five, Riley Cooper six. Surprise. Okay. Okay, what do you got for the surprise, next one? Surprise, surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Defensive side of the ball. Play Made along, to at, home. Order. Play along at, ho- at home as well. Yes. Play along at home. The following five defensive backs, please rank them from one to five in the order of interceptions that they will intercept this season. Malcolm Jenkins, Walter Thurman, Byron Maxwell, Nolan Carroll, Eric Rowe. Hmm. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll go first here. Go for it. I'm going to go Jenkins one. I'm going to go Carroll two, Maxwell three, Thurman four, Rowe five. With my thinking that people will avoid Maxwell and go That's more to the other side. I would agree with that. And Jenkins, I think, was so. is just so good at, at playing center field. I will go Jenkins one, an upset at number two. Eric Rowe oh, number nice. two. Yeah. Okay. Walter Thurman number three. Byron Maxwell number four. Nolan Carroll number five. I like it. Let's see. I still think Byron Maxwell leads the team, so I'll go with him at number one. I still think he'll be a playmaker. Number two, he only had four interceptions last year. Number two, go Walter Thurman. Number three, Malcolm Jenkins. Number four, Nolan Carroll. Eric Rowe, number five. So why do you hate Malcolm Jenkins? <laughs> I don't hate we him. We have him at three. We have him at one. That's what, I mean, that's, the, that's what the fans on Twitter are going to ask. heard it here first. That's, it, that's your way to, to twist it. <laughs> Did have a career high last year. Three interceptions. So. Right. All right. Season wins. I'm going to give you four teams. Okay. First team is the New York Jets. Now let's take a moment to discuss... <laughs> Geno Smith, because we have not done it yet. IKN and Polly, a midweek replacement at the Senior at Bowl, the senior low Bowl. those years ago. The big news for me about this, yep. Fran, good news for your boy, Jay Keeps. That's right. Well, I, I, I don't know if I'd call him my boy, but uh, I mean, I don't. I mean, the look, reaction you gave last we don't week think, at the I, mention I, you of don't his actually name. I think he's going to make the roster, though. I mean, even still, I would well, imagine now he's got vet. all the chances in the world. I would imagine they'll bring in some kind of a veteran presence too. I imagine that Jay Keeps will take advantage of the opportunity. I think Michael Vick. Michael Vick will Michael be a Vickle? jet. Michael Vick yeah. will be a jet soon. Michael Vick is doing a phenomenal job. Okay, the Jets, the Jets, Washington, the San Francisco 49ers. And the Cleveland Browns. That was the Wake Forest uh, uh, little fight there. song over there. Thank you for that. Jets, Washington, Niners, Browns. Most wins to fewest wins. Okay, I'm going to go with the Browns at one. Even though you don't know if they really have a quarterback still. Uh, you could say the same for pretty much every team on this list. Um, I'm going to go Browns one. 49ers 2, Jets 3, and then those Washington Redskins at number 4. <laughs> what did you say? Browns? Browns 1, 
Jets two. Set 49ers at oh. two. Jets three. Redskins four. Okay. Flip the one and four. There you go. I think Washington wins the most. Really? Interesting. I think there's a, enough talent across the board there that if RG3... So you go Washington, San Fran, New York, Cleveland? Correct. I go Cleveland one as well. Washington two. San Fran three. Jets four. There you go. I just don't think that, that keeps is going to lead them to the promised land. <laughs> the Everyone's jumping on the Bryce Petty bandwagon. I think they better uh, pump the brakes a little bit. They already said that. Yeah, He's not ready. Pump the brakes there. Okay. Wins. Again. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, the New England Patriots, and the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to go Eagles 1. Surprise. Patriots 2. Colts 3. Cowboys 4. Flip-flop the Colts and the Patriots. Colts 2. Patriots 3. Dallas 4. I'm going to say Colts 1. Okay. They play in such an easy division. Yeah, that's very true. You're uh, saying the Eagles aren't going 16-0? I am saying that. Uh, I believe the Eagles and Patriots will push at number two, and then the Cowboys will be number four. All right, so not too different. All right. Okay, last one. Last one. I want you to rank the following movies in order of how good they are. I haven't seen any of them, I bet. And I want you to tell me the common thread. <laughs> Hackers. Man on Fire. Big Night. Runaway Bride. The Substitute. And Carlito's Way. Well, I've only seen two of these. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go Carlito's Way 1. What, what, what do they have in common? Tell me, baby girl, because I know. Oh, Mark you Antony. Know. These are all these are all Mark Anthony movies. <laughs> Didn't realize and she was... sang to me. Do you know that Mark Anthony has been married four times? I, I could you like maybe maybe take a deep breath. I think every I, now and then, Mark. I think after two, you have to look inward at yourself and self reflect. Maybe it's you that's the issue, Mark. I mean, he needs to know. Focus on the game. Focus on trying to make this roster. <laughs> Four times, four times in ten years. Like, I thought you were busting out. Focus on the geez. journey. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> Let us worry about just, getting you just there. Just take yeah. it easy. Okay. Carlitos way one. Man on fire two. I've never seen the rest of them. Well, you're, you're missing yeah. out. Hackers is a quality flick. Hackers is a great movie and features an unbelievable cast: Angelina Jolie, Wendell Pierce, Matthew Lillard. Mark Anthony, Lorraine Bracco, Penn Jillette, the guy who played Brother Muzan in The Wire. <laughs> I, I, you Jesse know, you know I've never Johnny seen The Wire. Lee Miller. Oh, you've never seen The Wire? Fisher I've Stevens, Felicity yeah. Huffman. That's probably like the best show I haven't watched. I'm going to go. How would you know if you haven't watched it? <laughs> just what everyone says. <laughs> Everyone's reaction when I say I haven't seen The Wire. Let me figure this out here. Uh, okay. Number one is Hackers by a mile. Uh, number two, Big Night. Great movie. Is that about Suge Knight? It is not. Okay. Uh, it's about the work. It's about running a restaurant. Okay. Stanley Tucci, The Tooch, Oliver Platt. Uh, I'm going to go Man on Fire 3. Okay. Runaway Bride 4. 
Carlito's Wave 5, a little derivative, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, and then The Substitute 6, terrible movie. <laughs> Tom Barry. There you go. All right. It's quality, uh, it's quality uh, way to go out of uh, game time. I'd be... There it is. There's the Demon Deacon drop. So they play this, what, after every, every touchdown? <laughs> what are you going to say so they don't <laughs> play yeah. it? Yeah. The, the, uh, the ACC Frank media Beamer, guy the says picture, it all. <laughs> I do the picture of Frank Beamer raising his hands in victory after the 3-3 uh, three, three, three after regulation <laughs> is the best. That's the best picture. Okay. Well, that was a good game time, guys. <laughs> uh, now let's move on to uh, mailing it in. Let's mail it in. Captain, incoming message. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. And now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment, Mailing It In. Doesn't that sound like mailbogs? Check your mailbox. No? Not quite. No. Okay. Check your mailbox. All right, you guys got, any, you got, got any questions? I got a few here. I got one here. All right, I'll lead go. off. Let's say it. From Ad Eagles Troll, little listener. And again, uh, <laughs> make sure you subscribe to Eagles Entire Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher. Pod Bay. What? What else? What other uh, resources? Beyond Tune pod. in. Do I have to say Beyond Pod Spotify, every week? Beyond Pod, Stitcher. It's on all, all those platforms. So all right. check us out. Eagles Troll Drafts and Podnasty.com. Not on Podnasty.com. How do you see the Eagles employing the various sub packages on defense this season? The dime, the nickel, the three li- inserting the three linebackers. You know, I was going to make a joke about this, but you know. That's what that's to be expected. I am interested to see how the presence of the three inside linebackers will affect their Bill Davis's willingness to go to those sub packages. Because if it's about getting your best guys on the field, you know, would you rather have your nickel corner on the field, or would you rather have both Kiko and Kendricks on the field? Uh, if if those are your guys, uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I would expect that we will see less dime than we saw yes. last season. I I would agree, especially you know the, the comment that that makes me think that is uh, Bill Davis's first press conference at training camp when he talked about Kiko's, Kiko Alonso's ability to play the tight end because of his size and his length and his athleticism. I think that uh, if you're going up against a team that plays with uh, an athletic tight end that can run, you might be able to put Kiko on there, stay in nickel, as opposed to bring that dime back around the field. It seems like ever since the first year, they've wanted to remain in base and just be able to be more versatile out of that in itself. That's why they got Malcolm Jenkins. It seems like all the guys are bringing in can play multiple roles within the defense so even though nickel was say what about 45 percent or so last year give or take the percentages sure um still fewer snaps than the year before but uh definitely i would agree that they're phasing out the time i think the three linebackers i think they really don't want D'Amico playing a thousand snaps again and want to just and really just want to keep all those guys fresh i mean D'Amico missed eight games kendrick's missed four games you know, Alonzo's coming off a season-ending injury. They they want to keep those guys fresh and and healthy throughout the course of the season. And and Chip Kelly's mentioned it numerous times. Uh, Walter Thurman and Malcolm Jenkins' ability to play down in the slot, yes, may you know keep them in base more than uh, we've seen in the past. I just think of that Denver game when the Eagles' defense got blown out by Peyton Manning and company, 
and just Peyton Manning knew what the defense was or just by looking at it. And Malcolm Jenkins, when he got here, said, you know, they've got to be able to disguise. Right. That's the case. So, so I think you bring up a good point with both of the, those guys being able to play in the slot. Along those same lines, oh, wow, whom wants to know what, what percentage of snaps will they play in nickel? Um, 39.8%. I'll take the under. Yeah. You might be right. I'll take the under. He also wants to know, how can a Dolphins co-owner be on the team? That's a good, that's a good Mark Anthony He needs joke. to know. When we sign a... Uh, somebody, What's his uh, actual name this week? He changes his name every couple of days. Uh, John Mower. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, when we sign an Estefan, then I'll be excited. We have um, Esteban. On we do have an Esteban. Um, okay. Bradley Strazuski, Brad Straz, mm-hmm. at Brad Straz, wants to know, who has impressed each of you the most during training camp? Hashtag Eagles Beakley. That's why you picked that. Smart. That was well done. Yeah. Um, who has impressed me most? I'll go with Byron Maxwell. I'll go with the guy who was signed to be, you know, the guy in the secondary, and he's lived up to expectations to this point. He's made a bunch of impressive plays. He's been tough to tough to score against. Uh, he just seems like he's the real deal. A lot of people being skeptical of the fact that he came from Seattle and had all those great defensive backs around him. Seems like this is the situation that was made for him, that he's ready to thrive. So, to me, I'll go with Maxwell. I would go, and I wasn't expecting otherwise, but I would go Sam Bradford. Just his ability, you know, when you see a guy that can throw the way he can, we haven't really had a quarterback like that that can do that. Uh, there's very few quarterbacks in the game that do. And, uh, you know, seeing his compact delivery, uh, the zip that he can put on the ball, the accuracy that he throws with consistently, uh, he's been very impressive to me. I'm excited to see him this Sunday. I agree with you about Bradford, and he, he would probably be my choice. But, but I think it's important to say that if he, like this is this is the setting in which he needed to be impressive. Sure. I yep. mean, you know, he's got he has the arm strength and accuracy that he was the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, and there's no pass rush, so if he if he did not look really good right now, that would be concern concerning. Um, so he looks great. That's good. But there are there are more important tests uh, along the way. Sure. Otherwise, uh, outside of Bradford. I like what I've seen from Josh Huff. I like what I've seen from Eric Rowe. Those two guys probably stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jordan Matthews has been really good. Yeah. That's probably what I would say. Still bullish on Huff. I know everyone's pushing Aguilar to be the starter, the guy. But Huff's been very good in camp as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's one more. from uh, Steve Renninger. Okay. At SREN48. Yes. Uh, would you agree that we have reason to be excited about the defense this year. If not, why? The defensive line alone sure. is going to be outstanding against the run. I would yes. agree. The The fact that you add a Kiko Alonso to Kendricks and Ryans at inside linebacker makes that unit much better. And the fact you still have guys like Najee Good, Brad Jones, who started in the league. I mean, there's good depth at that position now. Yep. You can survive the injuries. And they are just much deeper at cornerback. The secondary has gotten so much better. Malcolm yeah. Jenkins said the biggest addition was Corey Unlin. Really? And Interesting. Just the, tech, the technique that he's brought, that they want to play press, but they're going to play it right this right. time. is basically a difference. So that's my reason for optimism. That's exciting. With the defense. I think Owahum should change his, his name to Stanley John Baptiste. Why is that? Look, he always uses the John. I just like oh, right. John oh, he, yeah. he, already, he always uses that in his mm-hmm. name. All right, we've got so, one more. We've got one more for your friend. Living on a prayer. 
This oh, is this, this is one. for Fran. Yeah. This is a good one. Watching films are all twenty-two. How do you start the process? QB, offense, defense, or focus on a play as a whole? So, explain explain what you do oh, when you are when you are watching film. Never now, now I know it's different Never for when you are watching college film and just watching a player right. versus when you're preparing for the weekly uh, preparations for uh, you know against the Colts, for instance. Sure. Um, when you're doing a prospect, you just watch the the entire game, yeah, just focusing just on that player. Right. That's a little easier. What about when you are watching, for instance, uh, preparing for the Colts? So if, I, if I'm watching our offense against uh, you know the Colts defense on Monday morning, um, you know the first thing I'll notice is formation personnel. So you know, is it ten personnel? Is it uh, two by two sets with run, one running back in the backfield? Then defensively, what's the personnel? How are ten they deploying that person? Is when, is one when back, you only zero have ten players on the field. <laughs> ten personnel is one uh, running back and zero tight ends. Uh, if it were so, that creates the number ten. If it was, uh, we'll say twenty-two personnel, that's two running backs and two tight ends. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. So that kind of just declares what you're looking at personnel-wise, and then just how they're deploying the personnel defensively. Is it is it nickel? How are you know who, where are the matchups? Where are the favorable matchups? And then what's what's it look like pre-snap? Does it look like it's going to be single high? Does it look like it's going to be it's going to be too high? Is it a blitz look early in the down? Um, you know, just from that standpoint, uh, what are you looking at uh, pre-snap from the defense? Uh, yeah, I mean that that's really and then post-snap you're just looking at what the rotation is and really what what's there's a lot of action going on here in the studio. Um, yeah, I mean that's really what you're looking at. Is you're, I'm looking first to see, uh, you know, what it looks like pre-snap, and then once the ball is snapped, you know, my mind automatically just goes to the pass game and what you know if if it's a pass play, what's the pass concept? What is what's the coverage being played? If it's a run play, uh, how quickly can I, I, I identify what this what type of scheme it is? Is it inside zone, outside zone, uh, some kind of gap so scheme, and going from there? How many times do you think you watch each individual play over? If it's a key play, like if it's like a, a play where you know there was even a slight gain of yardage or a big play defensively, I would guess I probably watch it. I mean, I would say at least a dozen times, at least, and you know that might take me thirty to forty-five seconds, you know, maybe uh, maybe a minute and a half. Just depends on what you know what what's going on in the play, how uh, how confusing it is in the back. But um, yeah, that's probably it. And, and it also depends, you know, because there's so many different things you're looking at. And what, what did the quarterback see? Uh, what did the receiver see? What did, why did the defender go here? What kind of coverage is not just cover one, cover two, cover three? It could be three buzz. It could be three cloud. It could be, uh, you know, all the different could variations. Be three drunk. I don't know about three drunk, but uh, you know, all the different variations of the coverage. And then you know, then you look at the back. Okay, personnel wise, how did the left tackle do? How did the right guard do? How did you know? It's it's, it's intensive. But. All right, we're getting the wrap it up sign because CMAC has some uh, some other filming responsibilities. Yes. Indeed, and I, I have actually another responsibility as well. So, so we're wrapping oh, up. Are so point. important. <laughs> so uh, well, I, I have responsibilities too. Yes. So we're all going to run out now. So uh, thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Eagles Entire Podcast for Friend Duffy and Bo Wolf. I'm Chris McPherson. We will talk to you again next week after the Eagles preseason debut. Eagles Beakley.